morning. It's an honor to be here and uh, be here with Pastor Brown, I guess soon to be Dr. Brown, if I understood correctly. Um, so I'm very happy to hear that uh, Pastor Brown is, uh, has uh, continued and is, is getting his doctorate. It's really a blessing to be here. Um, most of you who know me know I'm not here very often uh, by design because uh, God's called me to uh, minister somewhere else, but it's always a joy to be able to be back here however long it is between times and for however long I'm able to be here. I always enjoy this church. Um, it's a blessing, and uh, thank you all for your uh, faithfulness to the Lord, faithfulness uh, to pray and support the ministry. And um, if you remember, I was here right before COVID, um, and that was, I didn't know, but God knew and uh, got me back where I needed to be right before everything locked down. And so that's where I wanted to be stuck. So I've been stuck there. And uh, in more ways than one, I can't go into it uh, this morning. But uh, those of you who know, understand what I'm talking about. And those that don't, sorry, can't explain. <laughs> can't explain. All right. But um, I've been here. Uh, a friend that came to this church, I think, in 1991. Um, Brother Mike Gatlin was my uh, youth pastor back then and enjoyed uh, being in that youth group. Uh, some of the others, uh, I believe Deshaun, she was just singing where she go. But anyway, I believe she was in the youth group at that time as well. And uh, so it's good to see old faces and friends and, and also to be back and, and get to meet a little, uh, few of you that I don't know. Uh, I'm especially excited about everything the Lord's doing in the ministry here. Uh, Pastor Brown is a hard worker. Um, every time I come, he's either just finished a project or starting a project or sometimes he's still in the middle of a project and uh, so I, I, you need to thank God for your pastor. He is, um, he's a blessing. And uh, the thing about being a pastor is your job is to help all the people in the church with all their problems. But pastor, pastor's wife, they have problems too. And so they need your prayers and uh, they need your encouragement and support in any way that you can. Uh, I know it's not easy to be a pastor and it's not easy for a pastor to say, what I'm saying, that's why I'm saying it, um, and just, just encourage him. Um, it can be discouraging as a pastor. It can be uh, tiring and just overwhelming sometimes. So it is, it is good to see Pastor Brown. He's always encouraging. He's always uplifting to me. I enjoy the uh, Bible studies uh, Wednesday night. And uh, anyway, let's get into the Word. Uh, please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> I'd like to read uh, verse 10 down to verse 13. The Word of God says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here at Bible Baptist Church. Thank you for bringing me uh, to my home church uh, from whence I've been sent out. Thank you for this church's faithfulness through the years. Thank you for uh, Pastor Brown these past 13 years. He's been leading this church and ministering and pastoring. Please bless him, remember him and all his labors and and uh, the church here, thank you for their faithfulness to you and to minister and to reach out in this community. Please uh, use me uh, as a vessel to encourage, to strengthen, and uh, uh, to admonish your people. 
We commit this time to you and ask you to get all the glory. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for the cross. Thank you for sending your son to die in our place, shed his precious blood for us. And we know that we are uh, nothing but sinners saved by grace. We come to you now and ask you humbly to feed us on your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this, this passage, um, if you know the book of Romans and you're familiar with uh, all the content, chapter 8 is packed. Uh, it is one of the most loaded and most uh, informative and spiritually uplifting chapters in all the New Testament. Uh, but as I was uh, recently preaching through the book of Romans, chapter 8, um, the, the verse 12 really uh, jumped out at me. Therefore, brethren, we are, not, uh, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. And, and the first uh, three words in that sentence, we are debtors. And it doesn't expand to say what we are debtors to, because it goes into the negative. We are not debtors to the flesh, which is the context. It's talking about walking in the spirit, not in the flesh, and being spiritually minded, not carnally minded. And so the emphasis is upon the fact that we are not debtors to the flesh. But at the same time, it does say we are debtors. And that's the amazing thing about the English Bible and the King James Bible is every word and every little nuance gives us some insight into spiritual truth. So in the, in the Bible, especially in the book of Romans, we see that we are debtors. We are debtors not to the flesh, and that's how we act most of the time. We treat our flesh like we owe it something, and we got to take care of it. And if, if Brother Chris or... Brother Brown or someone preaches a little bit longer in the Sunday morning service. I'm not planning on that. But if it happens, we feel like, oh, we've got to uh, maybe skip a service to make it up to our flesh. Because our flesh had to sit in church and listen to preaching for an extra 15 minutes. We have this attitude like, oh, we're always kind of forcing our flesh into bad situations. And we went out witnessing, so now it's time to go on a three-week vacation and not witness. And, And we just have this idea we're always mistreating and abusing our flesh. But this is what the Bible is telling us. We need to change that attitude and realize we are debtors, but not to the flesh. So what are we debtors to? I'm going to preach this morning a little bit about debt. I don't have any financial debt, and I am very thankful for that. Um, Some of you may. Uh, And if you're in debt, I'm talking about financial debt, you understand some basic things about debt. If you are in debt, you are not truly free. You, you have a debtor. You have a creditor. The Bible says the, the, the borrower is servant to the lender. So once you've gotten in debt, whether it's you know, $5 or $50,000 or $500,000, once you are in a situation where you have debt, paying your debts is not optional. Well, I guess maybe it is in some cases, but, but it shouldn't be. Okay, if, if I am the one who's the creditor, and you are in debt to me, and then you just decide not to pay the debt, that's a very uh, unfair and unjust system. And I know we have <laughs> situations like that in our society today. But paying your debts, especially the debts that God says you have, is not optional. He's not going to say, okay, you can, just, you can defraud on this debt, or you can just be, declare yourself bankrupt. No, if you have a debt, you have to pay it. Inability to pay off your debts doesn't give you an exemption. If I owe the bank $50,000 and I only have $20,000, I can't say, well, I can't pay it off, so I don't have to pay anything. Now, they're going to take what they can. They're going to take what, what they can get from me. An ignorance of debt is no excuse. If you had a, a credit card and someone told you, this is a gift card, and you can just go around and you can you know, spend the money on the gift card, and so you're spending the money thinking you're just 
using the money in the car, but it's actually a credit card and you're accruing debt. The fact that you don't realize you have debt doesn't exempt you from the debt, right? It doesn't mean, oh, well, you don't have to pay it off since you didn't know. And how you feel about the creditor doesn't matter. You could hate the creditor. You could hate the person that lent you the money, but you still have to pay them the money. So this is some basic, basic concepts about debt that we all understand. Debt brings obligation. It brings bondage. And, it, and it's oppressive. If you feel debt, you're, you see the person you're in debt to, or you see the, the bill on your table, and you go, oh, yeah, oh, I got, what am I going to do about that? And you, you have this pressure to try to get out of that debt. Now, thankfully... If you're saved, if you trusted Christ as they were singing, if you've been to the cross and you've trusted Jesus Christ and his shed blood for your salvation, you are free from the debt of sin. That's the big one. That's the one that we need because he will by no means clear the guilty. If that sin debt is on you when you die, you will pay for that sin for all of eternity in a place called hell. I, I hope and pray to God that no one here is in that case. But if you are, you came to the right place because God is a God that saves sinners. He, he is a God that he won't just absolve your debt or cancel your debt. He sent his son to pay your debt. And Jesus Christ paid 100% of your debt. All you have to do is call upon him in faith. So that's the big debt. That's the sin debt that... All of us had before we trusted Christ, but the moment we trust Christ, it's taken away, it's paid in full. I remember many years ago, I think it was Fellowship Track League, they had a, they had a gospel track, and on the front it had a stamp, paid in full. And I always enjoyed handing out that track, and people, what is this? And, and I get a chance to talk to them and explain the sin debt and what Christ has done. So we're not debtors to sin if we're saved. Christ is the ransom, he came to give himself a ransom for all. Those who try to keep the law in Galatians 5.3 says they are debtors to do the whole law. They may uh, think, well, I'm just going to be a, you know, a tither. I'm going to be a, a giver. I'm going to be a, a server. I'm going I'm to be circumcised. I'm going to keep the Sabbath. But the Bible says once you try to keep a little bit of the law, you become a debtor to, to do the whole law. And I don't want that <laughs> because the law brings a curse and the law brings bondage. So we're not debtors. As born-again believers, we're not debtors to sin. We're not debtors to the law. And here in Romans chapter 8, we're not debtors to the flesh. So there are some things we are clearly not debtors to. But what are we debtors to? Let's turn over to Romans chapter 1 and look at the first thing. We are debtors to sinners. We might say we are debtors to the lost. Romans chapter 1 and verse 13 says, Now I would not... Have you ignorant? You need to pay attention to your Bible when it says, I would not have you be ignorant. That's like the teacher in class saying, remember this, it's going to be on the test. This is something you need to know. Don't be ignorant about this. I would, what, is, what does God through the Apostle Paul tell us we need to know? I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but I was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. What, why is that important? Why do I have to know that? Why is Paul exhorting us to say, don't be ignorant about this? Because he wants the Romans, the Roman believers, to see Paul's attitude and his obligation toward the lost. And so in verse 14, he says, I am a debtor 
both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So the Apostle Paul recognized and he purposed, in verse 13, he purposed that he would come and he would travel all the way from Asia Minor and Turkey and other parts that he was preaching in, and he would travel all the way to Italy, to the city of Rome, to have some fruit there, to minister there and preach the gospel. That was his purpose. That was his, that was his determination or his, his, uh, uh, um, his intention to travel to Rome. Why? There were no people where he was that needed the gospel? There were no opportunities? No. But in Paul's mind... He was a debtor to every person who was lost. There were no exceptions. He says to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Brother, uh, Brother Franklin was preaching, uh, teaching this morning on, on the Apostle Paul. Amazing study. Uh, amazing person to study. I mean, if we could understand the mind, the heart, the mission, the passion of Paul, I think it would transform every church and every, every believer. But Paul was so he understood so clearly that he was called of God and he was commissioned of God to be a man with debt. So he didn't just see men and say, well, there's a guy. He, I don't think he looks like a barbarian. He doesn't look like he even speaks Greek. He's probably from Gaul or he's probably from Spain or he's probably from one of those angles from England. He, he probably doesn't even, I, I, I don't have to worry about him. I'm going to find some Greeks, and I'm going to minister to the Greeks because I speak Greek, and because I'm a cultured and I'm educated in the Greek culture and language. No, Paul said, it doesn't matter. It was cross-cultural. His, his debt was to every person he came across. He says, not only culturally, but also the wise and the unwise. Now, I don't know what that means exactly, but my, I'll give you my take on it. Proverbs says, a wise man heareth rebuke. If you, if you meet a man and you give him the gospel and they're wise, they're going to accept it. An unwise man says, I don't need that. Right? Have you ever witnessed and someone said, no, not interested? Happens all the time. Right? And they may even be really ugly and, and nasty in the way that they reject the gospel message. But Paul said, I don't care. It would be like me saying, oh, Pastor Brown, I owe you $100 and I'm going to give it to you. He says, I don't want your money. Like, Okay. But I know I owe him the money. So if he comes to me tomorrow and says, you know what? Can you give me that money now? <laughs> yeah, it's yours, right? The fact that he rejected the offer the first time doesn't negate the fact that I still owe him, right? And so when people reject the gospel, we tend to say, well, forget you. Or you can go to hell if that's what you want. No, I still owe him. Now, I may not be able to just every day come to Pastor Brown's door and say, here's the hunter, and he keeps running me off his property. Well, but one day when he comes and says, okay, I'm ready for the money, I got to give it to him, right? So the gospel, the, the, the burden of being in debt to sinners means there's no exception. It doesn't matter if there's someone I like, someone I don't like, they're in a people group, they're in a, a class of society, they're in a country, they speak a language that I don't know or like or have any affinity to, but... I owe them the gospel. doesn't matter if they want it or they don't want it. I owe them the gospel. So Paul, he, he had a clear purpose. He saw his obligation. He said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. And then verse 15, he says, so, that, so as much as in me is, 
I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are Rome also. Paul had never been to Rome. I don't know if he spoke Latin. Now, in the Roman kingdom, Greek was widely used, but in Rome, Latin was the local, local language. I don't know if Paul spoke Latin. He didn't know the culture, at least firsthand. He didn't live in Rome. Uh, but he didn't say, I'm the most qualified person to go to Rome. He said, I'm ready. He's like Isaiah, here am I, send me. God, you, wanna, you want someone to go to Rome? I know there's Christians there, but maybe they're not doing much. And I, 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 if I go, I know I owe them, and I'm going to give them the gospel, so I'm ready. Paul was ready to go. He had this, this passion, this, this earnestness, this desire to do more. The money was in his pocket. When I meet someone, I'm ready to pay my debt. And I'll go wherever you want me to go. But if you go back to verse 13, he said, but I was let hitherto. Now that's 1611 English. That means hindered, right? So um, he was let hitherto. He was like when you play tennis, you know, you hit the ball hits the net. That's a let ball, right? So it hit the net and it was stopped or obstructed by the net. So Paul was trying he had it in his mind, he had a desire to go to Rome, but he hadn't been yet. Have you ever thought about why Paul never got to Rome until he was arrested? Well, the Bible has the answer. Put, put your hand here and turn over to Romans 15, and we find the answer, and it might surprise you, surprise me. Romans 15 Verse 18 says, uh, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout unto Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I preached, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. Okay, so there he, Paul gives his principle of ministry. He's trying to get the gospel to where it has not yet reached. But as it was, uh, 21, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and, what, and they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also, for which cause also, I have been much hindered from coming, unto you, from coming to you, but now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you. When, sir, I shall take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. So what's he saying? Don is itinerary. Go to Rome. Go to Rome. Preach the gospel in Rome. It's a big city. Lots of people. Great opportunity. Bring forth fruit. And Paul's, I'm coming. But every time I get ready to go, I'm hindered. What's hindering him? Hey, Paul, there's a little village over here that needs the gospel. I'll go to Rome next week. I'm going to go there first. And then he's in the village. Oh, can you go to my family? Because you told me the gospel and I'm saved, but my family hasn't heard it yet. And Paul goes, okay, well, put it off another couple days and I'm going to go to this home and I'm going to preach to this man's family. And he, he was not hindered by the devil. He was not hindered by God. He was hindered by his debt. Paul was, Paul was a man, everywhere he looked, he saw a need. And so it went year after year after year. And finally he said, no more work to do here. <laughs> I got, got him, got him, got him, got that village, that town, that city, I covered. Where do I, okay, now I can go to Rome. That's the attitude of a man who's in debt. 
I got a thousand bucks in my pocket and I'm going to go to the bank and pay it off. And then I got on the way, I run into this guy that I owe some money and I run into that guy and I owe some money. And I, what do I do? No, no, this is for the bank. No, I give it to him and give it because he wants it. He's, it's, it's his money, right? So the attitude of Paul was that every opportunity, no matter who, no matter their attitude, their response to the gospel, no matter when, when he met a person, that was his debt. That was who he owed. And he preached to them. So in verse 16, we see Romans 1:16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we see his faith. He trusted God. He trusted the power of the gospel. And that's, that was how he paid his debt. I have in my wallet right now currencies from several, some few different countries. I know in America I have to use the U.S. currency. I can't just pull out any old currency and pay it at the, at the mini mart or whatever. They're not going to accept it. And same thing when I'm in other countries. I have to use the local currency. What is our currency to pay the debt that we owe sinners? It's the gospel. It's not a prosperity gospel. It's not a modern gospel. It's not a revised gospel to meet the tastes of modern Americans or, or modern citizens of the world. It's the same gospel that Paul preached. Paul said, I'm going to Rome or I'm here, or wherever I'm ministering, wherever I go, it's the, same. it's the gospel of Christ. Now, where I minister, we have a big problem with people trying to change the gospel to make it more palatable. And that, that occurs here, especially in TV preachers. But um, a lot of that goes on where I minister because they feel like, well, the gospel doesn't seem to fit the culture or it's not what people are looking for. People are looking for success. They're looking for uh, healing from their sicknesses. They're looking for wealth. They're, they're looking for a, a good education for their children. And so we need to tweak the gospel a little bit to make it appeal to people. That's not the gospel. That's another gospel. The gospel of Christ. We have to trust and believe in the power of the gospel. So Paul, first of all, he said, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor to the lost. I'm a debtor to sinners. Secondly, he is a debtor to the saints. Turn over to Romans chapter 15 again. Romans chapter 15. Look down at verse 25. Well, I can, let's read verse 24. We got up to... 24, a minute ago. 24 says, Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. If first I be somewhat filled with your company, but now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Acacia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. So he's saying that the saints, the believers in Macedonia and Acacia are in debt to the saints in Jerusalem. That, yeah, I, almost, I almost spoke another language. <clears throat> almost spoke in tongues. Uh, it hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. So what he's saying is the gospel came out from Jerusalem. If you read the book of Acts, you can see that clearly. The gospel started in, in Jerusalem and about up through uh, chapter 8. Really, there was no spreading of the gospel. There was a lot of people saved in Jerusalem, 
but no one really carried it out until the big persecution that started with Stephen's martyrdom. And so they went everywhere, scattered, preaching the gospel, went all the way up to Antioch, and that's when the Antioch church started, and Barnabas went and started pastoring there. And that's where Paul, after he got saved, he got plugged into the Antioch church. He began serving the Antioch church, and he was sent out. He, where was he sent? Well, eventually he was sent to Macedonia and Acacia. So let's trace it backwards. Paul is saying, you believers in Macedonia and Acacia, you owe the saints at Jerusalem. That's a rather indirect connection. I mean, Paul was, Paul was the guy who got on the gospel, Paul and Silas and Timothy. But he's saying, you got, your debt goes all the way back to the first church. And that church was not really what I would call a missionary church. Antioch was the missionary church. Jerusalem was kind of the self-focused church. Because Christ said, ye shall be witnesses unto me at Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. But they didn't really do that until they were forced to. Antioch sent out missionaries. What I'm trying to say is we owe a debt to sinners because we've received the grace of God. Our debt has been paid, and we owe a debt of the gospel to sinners. But we also owe a debt to other believers. Now, specifically, it would be the person that led you to the Lord, the person that brought the gospel into your city, into your part of the country. But ultimately, it all goes back to God's church. We owe a debt to every other believer. These, these Jerusalem Christians, they hadn't really done very much for the Macedonian Christians. They may have prayed for them. They may have contributed, but the Bible never says Jerusalem gave an offering to help Paul preach the gospel. But Paul is trying to show us that we all owe a debt because we have received the gospel. And the fact that I have received the gospel means somebody preached that gospel. And whether it was the, the, Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Christians and them sending out Barnabas to Antioch and Barnabas helping Paul and encouraging Paul and then Paul getting to Macedonia and Acacia and getting the gospel to them, Paul says, hey, you owe all of us. You're in debt because without us, you'd go to hell. So don't forget that debt. They're, they're, they need money, give them money. They need help, give them help. You are debtors to them. And, and he said the Macedonians and Acacians, they were, they were willing to do that. But he said, but they're debtors. Don't forget, they're debtors. Think about, think about David. <clears throat> Look at my time here. <clears throat> David, he had a rough time after he killed Goliath, right? I mean, Saul just started really really bearing down on him and, and, and tricking him and trying to get him to go kill the Philistines so he would die on the battlefield. And, but there was one man who helped David in his distress, and that was, surprisingly, David, Saul's son, Jonathan. And if you read the Bible, you, you should understand, Jonathan was actually quite, old, quite a bit older than David. But So Jonathan, for no apparent reason, just took a liking to David and he tried to help him. His dad's trying to kill David and Jonathan is helping him in every way. So years later, David becomes king, right? Saul's dead. Jonathan's dead. All of Saul's other sons are dead. There's one grandson, Mephibosheth. What does David say? 
Is there any of the seed in the house of Saul that's left that I might show him mercy for Jonathan's sake? Now, I know David loved Jonathan, but I think he also said, you know, I got a little bit of debt to pay. I, I, I owe Jonathan. And he loved me and I loved him, but he's gone. I can't say thank you. I can't take care of him in his old age. I can't do anything for him now. But if there's one living, I can help him. I can bless him for Jonathan's sake. And I think, I think that's the, the attitude that God wants us to have toward his church. Not just this church, but towards God's people and, and everywhere. I mean, if, if, it, if I had to say, where did the gospel come to me from? Well, started with my parents. But who got the gospel from my parents? We were talking about it the last few days. And um, lady that witnessed to my the sister that witnessed to my mother and my dad's uh, co-worker supervisor and disciple, witnessing them and disciple, a Baptist pastor witnessed to them before they got saved and they rejected it. Unwise. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I assume this pastor kept praying for them and a year later they got saved or my mom got saved and then my dad another year later. So I, I got a lot of debt. I, mean, I don't know where they are. I don't know where this sister is that witnessed my mom. I don't know where my, my dad's coworker. I know he's, he's long since gone on to heaven. But I got this debt. And I got to pay it. You can't just say, I'm not going to pay my debt. No, it's debt. I got obligations. I got to get the debt clear. So what do I do? Well, I say, well, what can I do for Jonathan's sake? Who can I bless for John? Who can I help out for John? Several years ago, I, I was traveling another country, and a brother said, hey, if you come to where I'm at, you, you get to this city, however you want to get here, I'll pay for, to fly you home. I was young. I was poor. <clears throat> Sounded good to me. So I took the train to where he was, and, and he, good to, true to his word, he flew me back. And I said, you know, I really appreciate it. It's been a blessing to meet with you and to talk with you, and, and so much appreciate you paying for my flight home. He said, well, just don't forget it. And pass it on. That was 95, 96. <clears throat> so in 2003, it was in my head. I, I owe a debt. Not to him. He didn't want it. But he wanted me to not forget it. Reasonable. Right? He said, you know, you need it now. Someday someone else is going to need it. And you're going to have a chance to, to help him. Help him. So I did. And I prayed for a brother to come to this church special meetings. Paid from round trip. I said, don't forget. <laughs> don't forget. You don't owe me anything. <laughs> but someday, you pay that debt. So God has brought his people together through an intricate system of, of debt. Because all of us, I mean, we're indebted to Christ. That, that goes without saying. We can never pay that debt. But he not only wants us to understand that and to live for him because he died for us, but he also wants to understand that we owe a debt to one another. So in Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. We are not debtors to the law, but we are debtors to the law of Christ. The law of Christ in, Rome, uh, in Galatians 6, verse, I think it's 3, maybe 2. <clears throat> The law of Christ, let me get over there, <clears throat> sorry, Romans, uh, Galatians, sorry, Galatians 6 and verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill 
the law of Christ. So there is a law that we are indebted to. We're indebted to the law of Christ, which is to love one another, Romans 13. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other command, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So we have debt. We owe debt to all sinners, not to sin with them, but to give them the gospel. We owe debt to all saints, to all believers, whether they got us the gospel directly or not, whether maybe they didn't even do anything to help us, but the fact that they are believers, the fact that they are part of Christ's church means we need to love them as Christ loved us. Number three, and quickly, I see the time. <clears throat> we owe a debt to the Holy Spirit. That's what Romans 8 is talking about. Why do we walk in the spirit, not in the flesh? Because we are not debtors to the flesh. We are debtors to the spirit. If you imagine, I know, I'm trying to see who I know here. Uh, Brother, Brother Lewis and, and Brother Gallon. I guess he's in the back somewhere. If I owe Brother Lewis uh, 10000 I can't, I would never imagine owing you 100000 I owe him $10,000. Every time I see Brother Mike Gallon, I say, oh, here's, here's 100 bucks for that debt. And then when I see Brother Lewis, I say, oh, I gave the money to Mike Gallon. You're not in debt to him, you're in debt to me. God is trying to tell us we owe a debt to the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means stop paying the debt to your flesh. Because your flesh, in this, in this little illustration, that would be Mike Gatlin. Where's he at? I can't find him. <laughs> oh, he's outside there. I don't know if you can hear me or not. Can you hear me? You can't, okay. I'll have to be careful what I say now. <clears throat> but anyway, he's getting the money every time he sees me that belongs to Brother Lewis. After a while, Brother Gatton sees him and says, hey, where's my money? You're going to give my money? You've been giving me 100 bucks every time you see me. Where's it at? That's how our flesh is. Our flesh says, you owe me. He says, no, I don't. All you brought me was shame and sorrow and heartache, and the end of these things is death, I don't owe you nothing. But that flesh wants us to start thinking, no, no, you know, this, uh, this flesh is pretty cool. I, I like it, and, it, and it, I want to make it happy, and I want to coddle it, and I want to give it all the things it likes. And that flesh says, yeah, yeah, I like it. More, more. Forget about that other debt. Forget about the Holy Spirit. You owe me, and, and Romans is saying, no. We don't owe any debt to the flesh. And why do we owe debt to the Spirit? Well, it's the Spirit that set us free. Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So we owe a debt to His Spirit. How do we pay that debt? Obedience. We pay the debt to sinners by giving them the gospel. We pay the debt to the, our debt to the saints by loving them. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. How do we pay our debt to the Spirit? By obedience. As many as are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. We let the Spirit take control. We let the Spirit guide us into all truth. Because there's, there's two, four, Galatians 5 talks about, I don't have time, but Galatians 5 talks about this constant strife between the flesh and the Spirit. These are contrary, the one against the other, so that she cannot do the things that she would. But the key is, 
Tell the flesh, I don't owe you anything. I'll, I'll feed you. I'll bathe you. Give you a little bit of sleep, but not too much. Not too much food. Not too much coddling, because you'll get used to it. And you'll start saying more, more, more. No, no, I'm just keeping you alive because God wants to get glory from this body. But remember, the flesh is enmity with God. This flesh is worm bait. It is. And, and it, God's going to destroy. He's not going to say, well, you know what? I'm going to, Brother Chris, I'm going to give you a little bit of hair. And get rid of some of the wrinkles. Take off a little bit of the weight. Good to go. No, 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 no. He's going to give me a glorious body. And I don't, I don't, want, I don't want this one fixed up. I want the one that's like Christ. So we got to change our mindset in how we view our Christian. We have debt. I hope you don't have financial debt. If you do, try and get out of it because you want to be a servant of Christ, not a servant of your, your creditor. But remember, there are three types of debt that all of us have. And, 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 and God wants us to see through the Apostle Paul that if we live our lives in that way, Christ's love is going to constrain us to pay off our debts. Now, we'll never get them paid off. But it's like I said, if you, if you owe money and you don't have enough to pay it off, you still got to give them what you got, right? You got to do the best that you can to pay those. And I am so thankful for this church. And it was encouraging to hear about Bearing Precious Seed Ministries, Brother Brian here, and, and the fact that I think there was a trip that was out to see the printing presses recently. I would love to be been here. I, I love printing. And the way, where we minister, it's, it's a good way if we're able to do some of our own stuff on a small scale to get things in the hands of people. God blesses the printed page. And even though we got, you know, cell phones and we got iPads and all this stuff, but God didn't give us a computer. God didn't give us an iPad or a smartphone. God gave us a book. And so it's encouraging, a blessing to hear that Pastor Brown is leading the church in, in getting the gospel out through the printed page and, and around the world. And that's important. But we need to understand that all of us have a part. We need to let that spirit that Paul had be our spirit. I'm not just living my life. No, I got debt to pay. And I'm not going to be a bad debtor. I'm not going to defraud on my debt. I'm going to pay my debts. So I just, I just want to leave you with that thought. I mean, it's something that, that helps me in my spiritual walk to think about. Well, I may not want to, but I got to. Right? Paul said, if I do it willingly, I have a reward. But if not willingly, woe is unto me. <laughs> the foreclosure is coming. Pay your debts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that you've given us that Christ has paid it all. And that through Christ's shed blood, we are free at last. We are not in bondage to sin. We are not under the law. We are free from the law of sin and death. We thank you for that. But you have told us, you have shown us that we are debtors. God, help us to understand that, to recognize that, and to pay. The Bible says, the wicked borroweth and payeth not again. Lord, help us not to be wicked. Help us to be faithful and to, by your power, pay our debts and give you glory 
Because we understand that the greatest debt we have is the debt of love and thanks that we owe to you. Let your love constrain us to love sinners as you do, to love the saints, to love the church as you do, and to love and obey your Holy Spirit and let you guide us in our daily lives. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.